Today on the Main Quest Podcast, it's Vegas Dream. Welcome back to another episode of the Main Quest Podcast. This is, of course, the number one retro gaming podcast with more useless bullshit than the gold and silver pawn shop. As always, I am your host, Keith. Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first episode, I am replaying my life's catalog of games, and I'm more or less chronologically uh, by console working my way all the way through and trying to find out if these games are still fun to play today. The results might shock you. That said, I am just a guy with a long history of playing video games, reading about them, learning from them, and I have a microphone. So, you know, I'll just tell you what I know and my experiences with them. I'm not, uh, at the end of the day, I'm not here to take away your video games. It's okay to like a bad video game. So, usually I start these off with something profound and mind-blowing to say, but today didn't really have a monologue prepared. I'm actually a little short on time anyway uh, as I'm recording this, which is fine, because um, yeah, I, I also don't really have anything to say about today's game, so I think I'll probably just get into it now, and um, I don't know, maybe a week or two from now record something, some sort of monologue, and kind of just take it on to the end of the episode, just to maybe switch things up a little bit. We'll just, we'll put it at the end here, because I just, I just want to make sure um, you guys are getting the most out of an episode, and, and maybe I can actually think of something interesting to actually talk about in the next couple of days, so yeah, I don't know, it's early October uh, as I'm recording this, so, you know, who knows what happens in the next few weeks. So I guess let's just uh, get this started. I've packed the flasks. The vodka is laced with MDMA. And I've got a full pocket of blotters. So let's go hit the strip. Today I played Vegas Dream. Straight up had no idea what this game was. This has got to be one of the games that my brother put on the list here when we were collaborating on, on what we had. And um, yeah, as soon as I started playing this, it all kind of made sense. It made complete sense why, why we would even have it in the house. I'm going to put a pin on that for now and come back because I'll tell you what I thought this game was going to be. Now, just looking at the name, the name alone, just going off of that, Vegas Dream, not even having looked at the box art or anything, I thought maybe this was just going to be like a a running gun or a, a top-down shooter, like something similar to like Contra or like Commando, 
maybe this game takes place in like a neo vegas like some post-apocalyptic uh, uh vegas pretty fast paced i don't know I, I was also thinking a lot of like hotline miami as well but it's not it's literally just a collection of different gambling games which is i mean fuck me right fuck me for having an for having an imagination like what else would it be vegas dream and then you look at the box art and it's like a roulette wheel with all these cards flying all over the place and stuff dice coming coming right at you why would it be anything but but that i don't know it's because i'm a fucking idiot what can i say or maybe i just really deep down inside wanted to play more contra then I booted it up, I, I started playing it, and the thought crossed crossed me that, well, we, we probably had this because my dad loves to gamble. I know my brother said that he has vivid memories of my dad playing video games, which is bizarre to me. And this had to have been one of them that he was referring to, unless my brother was a gambling addict and, like, fucking shooting dice in the back of school with his friends. <laughs> but... Vegas Dream seems like a like it would have been I'm making the scenario in my head right like a settlement between my brother and my dad like like more like a bargain I guess like my brother really wanted I don't know Super Mario Brothers 2 or something and conned my father into getting Vegas Dream so that he could have fun with the machine that he bought that's sitting in his house <laughs> But I don't know. I'm just, um, again, I'm being very presumptuous here, making up scenarios as to why we would have had this game. To me, it's the only justifiable reason. And I certainly don't remember even seeing this thing until, you know, I had to play it for today. So here we go. Vegas Dream is a gambling video game developed by Hal Laboratory. Hal Laboratory. Of all people. Hal. You know, Kirby, SimCity, Pokemon Stadium, Earthbound, a little indie title, you know, called Super Smash Brothers. It's, uh, it's brilliant. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's brilliant. I love it. Hell Laboratory, Vegas Dream. And it, it really is like once we get into what this game deep down really is, like it gets better. So yeah, it was published by Hal America in the U.S. and Sony Records in Japan. Now, for what it's worth, it was created and directed by Ryotaro Hazagawa and Yukio Nagasaki. Naoki Goto programmed the game, and Kuni Kawachi composed the game's soundtrack. That's about it. I scoured the internet for info on this game, and the only relatively interesting thing is that Kawachi's this was Kawachi's first and final game and I checked the cutting room floor as well and they noted that next to the the board inside the cartridge there's an unused slot for a battery which means that at some point Hal was possibly going to implement saving into this game but opted for a password system instead so that's about it. Now, let's get into the true mindfuck of this game. So I'm going to 
first of all, I just want to say, I hate gambling. And I'm not here to judge you or give you a lecture. I understand the psychology of it. It's fine. The whole concept of gambling is just a moronic waste of time to me. And if I do ever like find myself in a casino, you know, the only thing I typically will gravitate to is blackjack because I feel like that's really the only game you can kind of have like any real control over. And you know, if you're really good, you can have absolute control over it because I mean, yeah, fuck casinos. Well, actually that so I, last month before a camping trip, uh being some friends stopped at a casino and I found a Konami slot machine and I saw it and I'm like, what am I an idiot? Absolutely not. I'm a fucking gamer, which is like basically the same thing. Of course, of course I'm going to play this Konami ass slot machine and lose 30 fucking dollars. I'm pretty much obligated. I have to play this thing. It's, it's basically a Konami game. <laughs> Vegas Dream, I mean, that's all this game is, right? Or so I thought. It's just a collection of four games. Blackjack, roulette, a slot machine, and whatever the fuck Kino is. What is Kino? I've, I've never even heard of that before. It's just a board filled with numbers. I, I have no idea how to play that shit. Uh, so immediately, when the game starts, everything is wrong. The U.S. flag serves as like a backdrop to the title screen, and it's pink. It's pink, white, and blue. Like, was it really that hard to include red in the color palette? There's red in other parts of the game. The NES can do red. Don't tell me it can't. I just played fucking Metroid, and they have an entire section of that game that's just red. It's like one of the easiest things you could have done visually and, and you flubbed it Hal god damn it Hal isn't the father from uh, Malcolm in the Middle named Hal it's too bad you had to quit dad that shoe's full of tens huh tens face guards okay there's six decks they already played out 18 nines 14 eights 12 sevens but only two tens a king of spades and a queen of diamonds which leaves well you can do the math no but you can but then so what I typically do when I start up a game, when it's going in the title screen, I just wait. I just sit and wait because sometimes they, the games will provide story, of course. Or sometimes they'll provide context for about what, you, what you're about to play. Sometimes they might even just show gameplay. Just the CPU playing the game. And Vegas Dream starts to kind of tell a story. It's a story of a, of a shadowy, mysterious, silhouetted person riding inside a, a neon airplane flying to Vegas, which is like it's as if we needed this this kind of context in a game that's literally just full of gambling minigames. But what comes next is probably one of the worst sounds I have ever heard coming from a fucking video game. Kawachi managed to make the fucking AOL dial-up tone seven years before it was even brought into existence. It's actually, you know what? I'm actually going to give him a little credit for that one. Congratulations, you've, you've created a series of noises made from numbers. If I was on an airplane that sounded like this, I would, I would pray that the Taliban was on board so I could be shot. Like, I don't know what the fuck this sound is. 
I'm going to make you want to kill yourselves by listening to it right here. And so here's the mindfuck, right? I played this game for like a solid hour, hour and a half, which is really generous. Like that's a really long time just to be playing some fucking mini, uh, mini games, some fucking gambling mini games, especially for me, because I don't give a shit about gambling, let alone fake gambling in a video game where there's no stakes. It's asinine. It's, it's completely stupid. So I go about doing my research for the game after I'm done playing it, only to find out there's an ending. Like, I'm having some serious Alien Crush vibes. Now, that's a throwback. That's the very first episode of this podcast. And if you want to know what I'm talking about, should listen to that. Yeah, should you listen to that episode? I sound so serious. I'm like, Alien Crush is a pinball video game created by Data East. I don't remember. It probably wasn't Data East. I honestly can't remember. And it came out on the PC Engine Turbo Graphics in 1988, which is ridiculous. You should like I. It's it's astounding how seriously people take podcasting sometimes. And I get down on myself because I'm like, maybe I should take podcasting a little more seriously. <laughs> it's like what the. F- this ain't my fucking job. Listen to me talk about video games. God damn it. Anyway, so <laughs> find out that there's there's an ending to this game. And not only that, but there's people that you can date and there's also like random NPC encounters. And I'm reading this and I'm sitting here and audibly, audibly to nobody, I just yelled, what? Where? <laughs> like I'm play, I played every single game in here, including Kino, which I still have no idea how to play. And none of this stuff ever happened. Now, there was a a point in which I pretty much went bankrupt, lost all my money, and they ended up, there was like a little bit of a interaction with um, security and a, a, a bartender, a shot girl, and they kicked me out. And that, that was pretty much it. And like the solid hour, hour and a half, there was nothing. I couldn't date anybody like I I don't know what I feel like. So I got some of this info from Wikipedia and we know Wikipedia is always right. And I feel like that was just made up. So I went to YouTube, checked out. a. There's actually a let's play of this game on YouTube, which is it's ridiculous. And yeah, that stuff can happen. It's crazy. That you have encounters where uh, people try to scam you by spilling drinks on you. Uh, in one instance, somebody tries to take your coat. And at some point, there's even a cutscene where the game cuts to a news anchor talking about talking about how you got robbed, which is like it's probably the least noteworthy bit of news happening in Las Vegas. Like I'm pretty sure like, a lot of stuff happens in Vegas. And the ending for the game is your character or you sitting by a pool telling your butler to buy you a new car so you can see a show and order food like why is this even in here (laughs) like 
And what did you have to possibly even do to even trigger this stuff to happen? Because again, like I played this for quite a while and nothing happened. There wasn't a whiff of any of this. It was just a regular ass mundane collection of casino games. And not that like these interactions and stuff like really change anything from what I can tell. Like Vegas Dream is very much just that. It's just a collection of casino games. And all of these encounters are just told through various text boxes, kind of like like an RPG. And that's it. Like it, It's insane. That's insane to me <laughs> that, that that type of stuff would be in here. The games themselves, it's exactly what you would expect. Blackjack is blackjack. Roulette is roulette. The slot machine is a fucking slot machine. And, um, you know, Kino is probably what Kino is. I I don't know. The only thing that honestly kind of tripped me up and like confused me when I was playing was that when you start the game, well, there's two different modes, I guess. One called Vegas Dream and another called One Spot. I went through both of these, selected both of them, and they're literally the same thing. You have the same choices of blackjack, roulette, slot machines, or kino. I don't know what the difference is. But the, the great thing, though, is that once you are in the menu to choose these different modes, whatever they may be, in the background of this, you get to see such iconic Vegas landmarks like the Pioneer Club, the, the unforgettable Horsheesh, the spectacular Kong, and of course, of course, Ken. Hal made this game, ladies and gentlemen, the brainchild of Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> and aside from the bastardized US flag, the rest of the game looks fine. Like once I knew what this game was, I didn't really expect too much. And it really doesn't do anything beyond what it needs to do well one thing i i do want to highlight though is that the blackjack dealer looks a hell of a lot like paul from tekken and this dude is totally rocking that whole kid and play hairstyle and the songs for vegas dream they're fine i guess there's enough for every game you play there's there's a different song but of course they're really short so in the end i just once I've heard all of them, I just ended up muting the TV and putting up, putting on a podcast. Hope that would alleviate, you know, some of the major boredom I was getting from playing playing this game. But um, no, it helped a little bit.
So would I recommend Vegas Dream? No. Like, I don't know why you would need to play this. Like, you can play this kind of stuff on your phone for free. Is this game playable? Absolutely. Yes, but there's just no need to play this specifically. It's, it's a playable game. Yeah, it's fine. It's exactly as I described it. But there's literally hundreds of millions of this type of freemium-ass shit on stuff you probably already common use. Some of this stuff comes pre-installed on a lot of the devices that you buy. <laughs> so, no, I, I don't think you need to play Vegas Dream. Especially not for a fucking hour and a half straight. The fuck is wrong with me? So, uh, that's it for this main part of the show. And so hopefully future Keith will have something in store for you right now. So this is weird. I, I don't know why this shouldn't be no different than a regular one, right? Recording. Should I start this over? Should I make it more seamless? I don't even remember where the last episode ended. So I melded over for a few weeks, ran um, a couple different topics through my head, all of which would probably be somewhat dated by the time that this airs. But one came up naturally as I scrolled through Twitter, heard some discourse, and it's a topic that pretty much has no right or wrong answer. It's actually a very complicated topic, and you know, knowing my audience, knowing who you guys are, I'm, pr I'm probably going to be preaching to the choir on this one, um, but maybe, you know, I've been getting a, a good influx of new listeners every week, so maybe there are some people that feel differently from me, and I hope you guys hear me out. Otherwise, I, I guess I hope you enjoyed the rest of the episode, Vegas Dream, right? Hope you like that one. <laughs> um, so what I want to talk about is the debate of does game length determine value? And once I, before, I, before I start, I want to preface that this kind of thing is very subjective. Everyone has different financial experiences. And of course, I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do with their money. I would hope that you know, if you're, especially if you're a returning listener, you, you probably don't take anything I say to heart, you know, no matter how much you loved <laughs> Legend of Zelda. Um, there's just, uh, for this in particular, there's really no real easy answer. There's no real easy solution, I should say. So with that said, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck people are complaining about when a game is shorter quote-unquote shorter than your average big-budget blockbuster triple-a title which by the way i'm done with titles like indie and triple-a because this kind of distinction not only gives games that come from smaller studios gives them a negative connotation one that almost says buyer beware as if it means that it somehow deserves less attention than, say, something like Forza or God of War. 
So why don't we just call them, I don't know, video games? That's what I'm going to start calling them, because it doesn't fucking matter. They're video games. Celeste is a video game. Resident Evil is a video game. Death Store is a video game. Mario Brothers is a video game. They're all games. They're all just entertainment. And people complaining about the length of games not matching the price tag, it's not anything new. People have been droning on about this kind of stuff for years. This game is only six hours long. It isn't even a video game. This should be X amount of dollars. This is bullshit. Bless you. It's complete horseshit. These developers, they don't owe you anything. As someone who's been a freelance artist, you sell your work for what you think it's worth. By the way, stop by the Redbubble shop for exclusive main quest merch. Links in the show notes, you lovely looking fox you. Ooh. Mwah. Now, granted, the video game business is obviously a lot more complicated than photography because you have various publishers that take a cut to be put in their shops and other various complications when it comes to pricing a game. Yeah, I feel like I'm already getting into a more broader argument here. Uh, let's bring it back. Let me focus more on the surface here. So this, this all started over a tweet I saw from some outlet. I don't know, Game Informer? I forgot. That doesn't matter. Gaming journalism is just a horseshit jerkfest that only exists for clicks and SEO. But the tweet was a link to an article about how long Metroid Dread is. I think the, the headline was literally just, um, how long is Metroid Dread? And so my knee-jerk reaction is, who fucking cares? Is that important? In the, in the grand scheme of everything? And I guess every that's a bit existential. In in the realm of gaming, in, in the gaming ecosystem, is knowing the length of a brand new game something to write an article about? That's borderline spoilers. But of course not. Of course not. The clicks gotta go up. This chart says this line is going down. We gotta get this line going back up. We just need people to pay attention to us. And so I, of course... <sighs> They got me. I commented on the tweet, partly because I just love to watch the world burn. I just commented, who cares? I was probably a little sassier than that. I think I was like, who cares? Probably a lot closer. And some poor soul, he, though, no, they, he, she put that little hook on there and they caught the bait. They took the bait too, even though I wasn't looking for a response. And they said, they commented, to me, and said something along the lines of, well, if it's too short, I'd like to know so I don't spend $60 on it. To which I, I wanted to reply. I should have replied. I, I, oh, I didn't say anything. I just dropped it. But I wanted to be like, well, <laughs> shit out of luck, buddy, because that fucker still going to be $60 until the heat death of the planet. It's, it's Nintendo. <laughs> you ain't playing this game, buddy. <laughs> Sorry. And that's just, um, you know, you take that comment. 
you look at that and you sit on that and you think, especially for me, somebody who's been playing video games for a very long time and doesn't really often take the price of the games into consideration. It's kind of a distressing comment. It's kind of depressing. Like, are you really okay robbing yourself of an experience that you're obviously interested in just to save some money? Like personally, I, I don't care how much a game is. Games have been, games have always been just a little too expensive for my taste. That my entire life, that's, that's been a thing and it's fine. And that, that $60 price tag, it's existed for a very, very, very long time. We should be lucky. Games aren't $90 or $100. A lot of these developers have gone on the record, stated that most of the time they're just selling the software at a loss. Am I upset that some games on Sony's end are going to be $70? Not really. You know, if I got to buy Horizon 2, I, you know, I guess I just won't get that coffee in the morning that I usually get. It's fine. You know, that's that's something I'm actually surprised there isn't more people complaining about, you know, that the $10 increase. But also, nobody has a PS5, so I don't know, maybe maybe in the future, like once they're more widely available, that will probably be something to yell about down the road. So then the question becomes what determines the value of a game? Because it's it's absolutely ridiculous. That just on the argument alone, that because a game is short, it shouldn't be full price. Because this game is not like the other game that I played that took me five months to beat, it's not worth $60. So we need to get, we need to get that out of the way. Because there's, there's got to be something else there. And unfortunately, like I asked a handful of people on Twitter to give me some insight, and it was... It was kind of what I expected. I, I realize talking to you guys, and the people that I know that I follow and the people that follow me back and that listen to the show, we're somewhat in a bubble and we're all pretty much very much like like minded individuals. Um, but it, so this is something the whole thing, the whole argument of, well, this game is way too short, so I don't want to pay $60 for it. That is just not a mindset I can get into. I can't understand that because it really is just inconceivable for me to rally against a full price game just because I'll end up beating it in a handful of sittings. And maybe that's just the problem with our culture right now. We will just sit there and digest and binge everything in just a few hours and so just like Netflix, you know, sitting there and watching an entire show in a day, there's a lot of people that will just sit there and play an entire game in a day. And I feel like that's somewhat of an attack on personal habits. And again, this is a very complicated question, right? Games aren't meant to just be, you're not meant as a human being to just sit someplace and play a game for 10 hours straight. Maybe the game seems so short because you didn't fucking do anything all day. <laughs> Maybe that's part of the problem.
let me I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let me bring up that Twitter poll that I asked. I asked, um, how long does a game need to be to justify your 60 to $70? And if the length of the game is a factor, please explain why. And the options that I had were eight hours or less, 15 hours, 25 hours, and 35 hours or more. The 35 hours only had 8% of the vote. I don't know if those people spoke up. I don't think they did because the people that did comment all pretty much repeated or echoed the same thing while looking at all these other options. Um, they're all pretty close with most people agreeing that 15 hours is the sweet spot for a, for a full price game, which is still considerably shorter than something like The Last of Us or a, a Metal Gear Solid game, which, you know, Metal, Metal Gear games, they have 15 hours of cutscenes alone, never mind the actual gameplay. And now again, the, the people that did comment, they mostly agreed. And a lot of them mentioned how there's just not enough time in a day to play a longer game. With shorter games, you can make substantial progress and have a great sense of achievement only playing like an hour or so every few days, you know, stretching out that eight, nine, ten hour game out to eight, nine, ten days, maybe more if you're not playing every day. While with these other games, these longer games, you have to really just sit and commit to, you know, stuff like The Last of Us, which your entire playtime might just be watching cutscenes with no interactive stuff happening at all. You know, people are busy. People have families and um, other responsibilities. We're constantly on the go. Sometimes it's exhausting just to come home and sit and watch Ellie rip out a man's throat or stop somebody to death. You know, when, when it comes down to it, mostly everyone could agree that the experiences you can have in a shorter game are just as impactful as anything in an 85-hour game. There's something that can be said about brevity and cutting out all the fat. And I was talking to Eric from the side questing podcast. I was talking to him about this yesterday morning and he mentioned nobody bats an eye when, when they spend $20 on a movie ticket to watch a two to three hour movie. Now that's third of the price of a video game. And you're just sitting there granted, <laughs> granted you're just sitting there playing a video game too, but at least you're interacting with the medium while with a, with a movie you're, just sitting there getting fat on popcorn and high fructose corn syrup. By the way, filmmakers, if you can't tell a compelling story in two hours or less, should it be making a fucking movie? I'm, I don't know about you guys, I am tired of all these long ass movies. If your movie is long as shit, you're, you're inept at making films. Just stop it. Fuck off with this trash. So Florence, Florence, it's, it's a mobile game. If you never heard of it. It's uh, roughly eight minutes long. Minutes. Eight minutes. Not eight hours. <laughs> eight minutes. Probably one of the best games I've ever played. That eight-minute game made me feel more emotions than I probably have during any three-hour-long movie. 
And if you're a happy, healthy person in a really good spot in life, I would definitely check out Florence. Definitely recommend it. It's probably the best 99 cents you'll ever spend. But if you're a mental wreck like me, uh, you're going to be crushed. Uh, you've been warned. <laughs> um, I do want to highlight something real quick that somebody said in that Twitter thread. And I guess kind of slide into this last argument that I have here. Um, this person specifically mentions that they'd be happy paying full price for a shorter game as long as it's replayable. They talk about how many retro games are replayable. And uh, that got me thinking, how is a game like Call of Duty intrinsically more valuable than, say, Super Mario World? How is Assassin's Creed more valuable than Hades? Which, by the way, it's a fucking crime that a game like Hades is only $20. You can get more playtime out of Hades than any Assassin's Creed game. What I'm getting at here is that there are these annual franchises that EA, Blizzard, Ubisoft shit out every single year, sequel upon sequel, clone of a copy of a copy, stagnant ass fucking franchises that come out at $60 every year. And they're released like clockwork. Why is every Madden game $60. How are any of the games I just mentioned, FIFA, Madden, Assassin's Creed, Call of Duty, Rainbow Six, how are these games valuable? What value do they actually bring when it just gets replaced by another copy of itself nine months down the road? You can play Madden 2012 and play Madden 2021, and the difference is minimal. Without exaggeration, the difference is minimal, minimal, but it's $60, no questions asked, and people, people buy this shit. That's the problem, too. Then you see Hollow Knight, right? Stardew Valley, Hades, Death's Door, Celeste, Spiritfarer, all absolutely incredible games that are so much more memorable than some of the biggest blockbuster, multi-million budget games that half to be sold at a minimum of $25 because they're indie titles. They're new IP. Publishers and developers get it. They, they don't want to take a chance. They don't want to take a chance on new IP because they're afraid that it, it might flop. So they have the public, the developers have to sell it for cheap because the negative connotation of the word indie scares people into buying things, not buying things for that matter. I'm sorry. I mean, look at Bethesda. Look at CD Projekt Red. Bethesda can't make a fucking stable game to save their goddamn lives. They make games that brick consoles. And every time people buy it up full price, no questions asked, because I mean, I guess if your console does survive and you can tolerate falling through the map at any given moment or getting locked out of quests. Got like a 200 hour game on, on your hands right there. And I don't even need to talk about cyberpunk. <laughs> There's no need to. Cyberpunk is still $50. Cyberpunk is $50 and publishers have to put a note underneath the game 
that they cannot guarantee the game is even going to work. Go fuck yourselves with that. <laughs> Doesn't even make sense. Well, I don't know. Cyberpunk is Cyberpunk is $50 because it's it's 200 possible hours that you can be playing that game. What? Is that the kind of reasoning we're using here? It doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. I feel like I've lost the thread completely. I don't even know. I don't even know what the point is anymore. You just can't measure up how valuable the actual experience is to a dollar amount, especially something that you haven't played before. Now, I've given all these examples of incredibly shitty, stagnant-ass franchises, you know, just the dredges of video games that people are fine just tossing money at. Those are worth $60, are the cries I hear from sweaty gamers. Spending habits of some of these fucking people are just mind-boggling. People are out here buying a new Switch that runs the same shitty, outdated hardware comes with the same broken-ass controllers that launched back in 2017. They're buying this same shit at full price for $300 because it has a new screen on it. It is literally the joke of dangling a bunch of keys in front of a toddler and the toddler getting distracted by it. You're literally just being like, ooh, look at the colors. <laughs> like, dude, are you... The Vita had an OLED screen back in 2012. Most phones commonly have an OLED screen. OLED screens aren't expensive. They're cheap as fuck now. Nintendo is basically just bending you over and fucking you idiots. Like, what are you doing? But then those same people, they're going to turn around and be like, My game is too short. This needs to be cheaper. Let's go to Disney for $1,000 a day. I'm starting to, I'm getting resentful. I'm into a hobby where I'm constantly surrounded by ingrates, except for you guys, you listening to this. I'm, I'm probably not even saying anything new to you guys. Anyway, you guys are amongst the good ones. And I know there's also, there's some of you listening who are part of the silent majority that don't give a shit what a game costs. You just want to play a video game. And I'm very much in that same boat. Now I should say like, sure, some games, see, I'm now I'm going to sound like I'm contradicting myself. Some games shouldn't be $60, right? Like I'm not crazy. Now I mentioned Florence earlier. It's an eight minute game. Of course that shouldn't be $60. Uh, famously, I think the last first party Nintendo game I ever bought, the last one was Super Mario Party. And when that game released, I bought it. That shouldn't have been $60. And this just goes back to the fact that people will buy anything because now Nintendo's releasing another Mario Party game that should have just been DLC for Super Mario Party. And they're just going to sell that at $60. Like, <laughs> It's wild. Both of those games combined should be $60, but instead separate, they're $60. That's, that's wild. Um, and then you've got, you know, speaking of Nintendo, you got the eShop right? All the shovelware on the eShop. A lot of those games definitely shouldn't be $60, but that's not because they're not, I wouldn't say valuable experiences. They might be to somebody, but those games are just straight up not well-made, which also goes back to my point of Bethesda games. They're not well-made. They're all both in the same camp, in my opinion. Mm -hmm.
So everything that I just rambled about, there are some asterisks here. Again, it's it's a very complicated topic. Um, I I kind of wish I had somebody else on to talk about this with. Uh, but again, I feel like anybody I would have had on would have probably just been echoing. It would have been going back and forth, probably saying the exact same shit that I've just been talking about. So, yeah, it's fine. I'm I'm just gonna stop. I'm just gonna wrap it up. That's it. I'm done kicking this dead badger. Um, again, I have merch on sale. My store can be found on Redbubble. Grab yourself some not recommend stickers or some recommend stickers and slap them on some games that you come across in the wild in the stores. Uh, let people know what you like. The link to the Redbubble store can be found in the show notes. Follow me on Instagram. Find out what's coming out before you listen to the show. It's also the easiest way to get a hold of me. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you disagree or agree with any of the things that I, I just talked about. Um, and of course, all my other social links, as well as the Instagram link, are in the show notes as well. So, um, yeah, with that, thank you guys so much for your support. Thank you for listening. It does really mean a lot. I sincerely mean that every time I say it. Sometimes I'm like, do I thank you guys enough for taking your time? Taking your time out of your day, an hour of your day, to listen to me ramble about video games, ramble about the shit going on, the turmoil inside of my brain. <laughs> um, it's uh, It really does mean a lot. Love you guys. So... I will returnal next week when Ryan from Listoff returnals once again to help me discuss one of the more polarizing games of 2021, Returnal. I'll talk to you guys then. Take care of yourselves. Nobody's going to understand. The fuck did I do last year? Sure shit didn't do some fucking grindcore-ass vocals. Step inside the Ghoulcade for tonight. What are we playing? What are the games? Super C? Super, super <laughs> Metroid. <laughs> this ice cream is very delicious. Metroid. Why do I get it? I'm thinking about it. Metroid. I probably got it already. That's enough.